Hello and welcome to the Harvard EdCast, a series of conversations with thought leaders in the field of education from across the country and around the world. I'm your host, Matt Weber, and today we talk movies. No, the show is still about education, but so is the movie, Waiting for Superman, and our guest, the Academy Award-winning director, Davis Guggenheim. Welcome to the EdCast. Not a problem. So a good place to start is the very beginning. Davis, was there a seminal moment when it struck you that you needed to make this movie? As the inconvenient truth was to the environment, this would be to education. Yeah, it's funny. The um, the company that funded an inconvenient truth, Participant Media, asked me three years ago uh, if I would make a film about public education. And I actually said no. I actually made a film 10 years ago, and I said, I think it's a storytelling quagmire. I don't know how you cut through this really complicated issue. And the next morning, uh, I'm, I found myself driving my kids in my minivan. And out of the corner of my eye, I'm a visual person, so you know, that, you know that, that's sort of you know, where I start to do my best thinking. And I, out of the corner of my eye, I started to count the public schools that I was passing on the way to take my kids to their really great private school. And that stuck with me. It haunted me, the idea that uh, my kids were having a great education uh, in their private school, but that there were kids in my own neighborhood, and I live in a pretty nice neighborhood, that weren't getting the very, very best. And that, and that was a, not only a place of passion, but it was also the sense of, like, oh, here's maybe the unique angle into the movie, the point of view of a person um, uh, who himself feels you know, part of the problem. So I talk, in the very first up in the movie, I talk about how I betray the ideals I thought I lived by. And by saying that, I could sort of really tackle some of the taboos in education. I could really sort of put them out on the table so that we could start talking about them and fix fix this issue. Right. So Davis, tell us a little bit about the process for selecting the children you profiled. And were there others you followed that maybe didn't make it into the final movie? Yeah, I mean, at the heart of the movie... I talk about I talk about this giant system that's, that that the adults have created. But at the heart of the movie are these kids, these five kids who they and their parents just want a great education, and they kind of think um, it's possible. I mean, and of course it always is possible. But this sense that uh, they are really striving, they believe in the American dream, and they believe the system's going to work for them. And 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 what what um, uh, what I found was. Um, uh, that there's these lotteries. I read this article that Tom Friedman wrote about the lotteries in Baltimore for the seed school. And I said, that's, that's um, uh, a great metaphor for what happens. You know, there's a lot, there are these lotteries and, and, and in essence, all these, everyone wants to get into this great school, but there are winners and losers. And that some people get it and some people don't. Just, just like my kids won the lottery by nature of what family they were born into. And that's not fair. So we went and searched for kids in schools that had lotteries, and we just went to parent info nights. And we picked, you know, we followed maybe 10, 15 families at the beginning and then narrowed it down to five or six. Um, uh, and, and those are the ones that end up in the movie. Now, charter schools factor prominently into the movie as the solution to the problem. Some have even said the magic dust. And one criticism of the film is that the effectiveness of high-performing traditional public schools are not really featured prominently, was this a deliberate decision? I don't think charters are the magic dust. I don't even think they're the silver bullet. And I say in the movie that only one in five are doing exceptionally well. Um, I think the education world wants to take a movie like this and, and with a broad brush say it's pro this and anti that. I think 
going back to the first question, I made this movie from a from a very sort of you know regular person point of view, and regular people, people who aren't studying this in great detail, they just want a great school. The families are a movie. They don't care what their school is called, charter or district schools. They just want a great school, and that's what the big question the movie asks is why can't we find um, a great school for every kid? That you know the solutions. That first of all, there great. There's some great charters. There's some great district schools. There's great teachers in both. This whole either or thing is a, is actually I think a real problem in the world of education. This sense that people are going to do this sort of inside baseball critique of things, and they say, well, either you're for this or you're anti that. It's so binary, and I don't. I think that the status quo is so broken, and everyone can agree on that, that this idea that it has to be either or is, is ridiculous, in fact, that you have to sort of find a lot of solutions. You've got to put them all on the table, and you've got to see what works, and you've got to make a lot of things work. The exciting thing about the high-performing charters is not that, that they're the answer, but that they sort of hold some of the ingredients. They're like the incubator for great ideas, and you can take some of those ingredients and try to find a way to implement those in every school. And, the, and those and those ingredients are pretty simple, you know. You know, focus on great teachers, recruit great teachers, develop, you know, really help great teachers. Um, uh, real accountability, really saying, and what kind of job are we doing? What kind of job is each of us doing? Having great leadership, a great principal who knows how to run a great school and how to how to motivate great teachers, and really high standards. You know, these great high performing charters like had this sense of like. The, the college is this big goal, but I don't think um, I think there there are just as many charters that fail um, for all the reasons that other schools fail. They they suffer from money, they suffer from bad leadership, they suffer from you know um, mixed uh, results with teachers, and so you, you, there's no you know everyone the, the mentality is uh, uh, which is a dangerous mentality is that there's a there's a single answer or there's a there is magic dust. I don't believe there's magic dust. I think. If there is something to pin your hopes on, it's on really motivated people in these great leaders that have gone in, and they usually come from teachers who say, "Let's, it's time to roll up our sleeves, say enough is enough, and build great schools one at a time. Right. Now, many teachers do listen to the EdCast, and a good number of them are in the unions. What would you say to those who feel the movie villainizes the work of the unions? Well, when there's these comments... Uh, about the movie, usually it's someone who hasn't seen the movie or who doesn't want you to see the movie. I take great pains in the movie. In fact, I spend more time in the movie talking about um, how essential great teachers are. In my very first movie, it was all about following these teachers who are heroes to me, and I talk about that in the movie. I talk about how teachers are a work of art, and we can't have great schools without teachers. So I, my heart and my intentions come from this sort of admiration uh, I have for great teachers. So I think that, you know, that's it, it's a shame that this sort of the, the rhetoric gets so heated. But I think if people see the movie, they see, I think, I hope they will see that there's a sense of balance. I do think that, that the responsibility of, of me in a film like this is to really face some taboos. You know, I'm a union guy. I'm, I'm a member of a union right now that does a great job protecting me. I believe in the central piece of unions that, that the teachers' unions should thrive for a long, very long time. I've had many good conversations with Randy Weingarten. I think you know, I think you know, she's fighting for her teachers. So 
this whole bashing thing is, I think, uh, misguided, and it's, I'm not, I don't want to be part of it. But I do think you have to face some of these taboos. You ha- I, my choice in the movie was to, to, to be hard on all the adults, including the unions, and say, look, we need to really think about tenure. If we're going we're gonna to bring our teachers to the highest level, we got to really think tenure, and, on, and not just the unions. We've got to say, you need, I mean, uh, tenure should not be automatic. That's just one example, and, and, and we have to have a thought. Teachers need protection. A good teacher needs to know that they're not going to be fired for some indiscriminate, you know, uh, boss or some, someone doesn't like their haircut, you know. Um, so teachers need that basic protection. Uh, but you, we really have to deal with things like tenure and how we evaluate teachers if we're really going to get, you know, move, move, move forward on this. And so I'm pushing all the adults, including me. You know, I, 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 I put myself out there. I talk about the Democratic Party. I talk about the centralized bureaucracy. I think the union piece is a, is a, is a part that the, that the press likes to whip up because it's that's, that's, that's sort of what gets ratings. But I, I really, I, I think the. I'm really excited about the thoughtful conversations that I've had in Q and A's I've done all over the country. And you know, Baltimore I was there the other night with the superintendent and um, the mayor and um, and teachers, and they, and they were having a really good, strong conversation about how we're going to fix our schools. That's the exciting part. The movies be doing right now. Speaking about the kids, have you kept in touch with any of them? How are they doing? The kids are doing good. Um, each, you know, I don't want to give away what happens in the movie, but but uh, each are. Um, you know, have their own path, but um, we're, we're and we're sort of me and the the producers uh, are committed to being in their lives for for a long time and to making sure that we're going to help them out. We, you know, you couldn't help them out while you're making the movie, but after the fact, I think we're we're making phone calls for them. We're trying to make sure that they have a little extra help um, so that they can so all of them, all five kids can, can reach their dreams. Well, it's really great of you. Davis, last question. Your movies become movements. People pledge to see them. They rally around the cause. You open up a national conversation with America through film. What issue are you going to be tackling next? <laughs> well, I mean, this is, um, this is a big campaign for me. I, I, I really feel like I still have a lot of work to do to get people to see the film. You know, we've had great reactions to it, you know, in the national press and in the big cities I've gone to. I just want to keep pushing. I want as much, as many people, regular people, moms and dads, superintendents, school board members to see this thing. And, 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 and really, because I know that seeing the film is a moving experience. It's inspiring. And it's a wake-up call. And the movie is just one piece of the experience. It doesn't, there's a lot of things movies don't do. But if, if people have that experience, um, then we have a chance. After that, my big ambition, my big project is to be a good dad. You know, I've been on a lot of air, been a lot of airplanes on a lot of airports, not with my kids because of this movie. And I want to, I want to sort of recommit to my kids. So you're making a movie on fatherhood. <laughs> no, there's no cameras in this story. Um, I'll take, take a big break. Oh, Davis, we've really appreciated the time you've spent with us. And as a show that has a focus on education, we could not be more pleased than to have your fine movie mainstream a dialogue of reform. Well, you know, it's um, the Harvard School of Education uh, has, plays a big role in this movie. Jeffrey Canada, you know, he has a great story about being a student there and, you know, how it gave him the, you know, the, the basic um, moral push to do this work. Um, and... Uh, 
in my very first film I showed. Uh, it's called The First Year. I showed it at the Harvard School of Education. So it's, it's, it's really gratifying to know that uh, such an esteemed institution um, is, is embracing not, not the film politically, but, if, but in terms of having the film sort of uh, broaden the conversation and inspire people to really commit to real change. So it's a pleasure to be on your show. Well, thank you. The movie is called Waiting for Superman in theaters nationwide, and our guest, the Academy Award-winning director, Davis Guggenheim. Thank you, Matthew. This has been the Harvard EdCast, a production of the Harvard Graduate School of Education. I'm your host, Matt Weber. Thank you kindly for listening. The Harvard Graduate School of Education, working at the nexus of practice, policy, and research.